time for the Gore and More podcast. Gonna have a good time. Gonna have a good time. Yeah, we're gonna have a good time. We're going on now. A ball break, walking hand in hand in the moonlight. We'll be the sweets all day. I swear we'll never part. We're going on now. A ball break, running in the sand, feeling alright. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Gormore Podcast. This is your host with the most, TJ Bowser, and joining me today is filmmaker Vincent DeSanti. Hey, TJ, how you doing, man? Good. Very happy to have you back on part two, the Electric <laughs> Boogaloo. Uh, yeah, here we go. So the sequels are always better. Yes, and we got in some, horror the sequels are always better. That that is very true, and we got a lot more <laughs> in depth questions this time, especially seeing now that you have all these crazy plans for us and the Never Hike Alone franchise. I guess we can call it now. <laughs> Yeah, no, really. I mean, it, it, it was like, it developed into what I started to call as like a little saga. And it really could be, I mean, it could be much more than what it is. But, you know, when we, you know, when we thought about it, and we looked at some rules from fan films, one of the things that was suggested to me early on, and is also in fan film rules was something called doing a web series, they, they actually prefer web series over doing feature type projects. And I thought, you know, that's actually really smart from a fundraising standpoint, because you get to concentrate more money into um, projects that are that are shorter. So that means there's more money going onto the screen per minute, which means you can do higher level effects and, you know, production value. So I think this is really going to help us, you know, with the way fan films go, where we all work nine to five and we have real jobs and most of this stuff is done in short sprints. This is the perfect way to do it. Um, without creating longevity of, you know, continuity issues and things like that, we can actually shoot these in, you know, one fell swoop, get them out, turn them around fast and just keep them coming out throughout the year. I think that this would be the safest and, you know, best way to, to kind of do it. I agree completely. So first question for your interview, what made you want to put Ghosty in the snow? I think that that's, you know, that comes straight from the fans. The fans have been calling for Jason in the snow for a long time. Um, when we had some downtime on Never Hike Alone and we were kind of sitting around trying to figure out how to do the feature, you know, probably part of the reason why we didn't rush right into it was I kept thinking about how how to do a feature like that we had just done Never Hike Alone with all the all the issues that we had run into, which we got a movie done, we did it, but, you know, it was it was hard. And so we had to try and figure out a better way. And so while we were doing that, I kind of got the itch to want to do something. And I had pitched, you know, snow shorts to a few other uh, fan film makers who were all kind of like, I really don't feel like shooting in the snow. And I said, well, if no one else wants to do it, <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. And I started to develop this story and it really grew into something that not only was it going to be fun to like come up with a creative, you know, environment for Jason to play in with a winter setting, but it started to add to the story of Never Hike Alone. And that's really, you know, kind of the focus is that this is a nice setup piece that gives you a little bit more insight into the world that I'm trying to build with this little web series. And by the time we're done with it, I want it to kind of feel like the stranger things of fan films in the world of Friday the 13th, where it feels like something that you just watched a show on Netflix and you were given, you know, a comprehensive story that goes from front to back that weaves in and out of, you know, people's lives and presents a, a, a town that's real and feels like you could live there and then involve the story of Jason and do things that we've never seen with him before, do kills we've never seen before and execute it at a level that we would be doing on a feature film set or like any of the sets that I've been working on for the past year. Awesome. What led to the decision to step out of the role as Ghost Jason and let Friday alumni Douglas Tate don the mask? 
Well, I think that's it right there. I mean, if we're going to reach this level of con, you know, content, I'm going to need to be behind the camera at all times. Um, you know, directors out there leading and, you know, making sure that everything's going properly. And, um, when I'm in the costume, I'm, I'm hindered from doing that. You know, I'm, I'm worried about what my performance is and there are things that I'm not paying attention to that, you know, I really should be. And so when I thought about that, I thought, you know, you know, I, I, I did never hike alone because that's what we could do. And, you know, I was there to do it all the time. And, you know, I possibly will be doing more of it if we end up doing inserts and things like that. I'll definitely jump in the costume and do that stuff. But we wanted to go out and, and find somebody who would, you know, bring that extra stature to the character. Um, and, you know, Doug was one of the first people. In fact, he was the first alumni to ever reach out to me after Never Hike Alone came out and congratulate us on, you know, doing a good job. He wrote us a wonderful email. Um, I wrote him back and I ended up bumping into him in a convention and then, you know, bumping into him in one convention and another and we started to talk and I just realized that, you know, as I was standing there looking at him and realizing that, like, man, what, how great would it be to have someone like Doug Tate, this guy who has played Jason before, obviously in, in the end scene for Freddy versus Jason walking out of the lake with, with Freddy's head, you know, being tasked with that, but then going on and, and continuing a very impressive creature and suit acting career and doing, you know, things like messing with Sasquatch. He was in Hellboy. He was in The Conjuring. You know, he's on a, on a film for the CW, I mean, a, a TV show for the CW right now, Legion's doing costume work. And, you know, I've, I've been following him on Instagram and seeing all the work that he does. So, you know, with Jason, the acting is very important to me. And if I'm going to step out of the role, you know, handing it over to somebody like Doug seems like a no brainer. This guy is trained to do this like no other, but also trained as a stunt actor. So the stunt acting side of it about being able to, you know, being able to step into those higher level stunts and things like that, things that I can't do, um, would be really, you know, really fun to do. And that's one of the things I wanted to upgrade and never hike alone was the stunt work. We obviously took it to one level in, in, you know, in the first never hike alone. And after learning some things on that and meeting some people and, you know, talking to Jess about the things we could do and how much that would cost. Now I have a realistic expectation about if I want to do the things I really want to do, this is how much it will cost. And this is how we'll do it safely. And having Doug in there gives us that extra layer of experience so we can get through these things faster, safer, and, you you know, executed at the highest level that we can. Excellent. And the poster for Never Hike Alone 3, Jason Takes Crystal Lake, great title. It looks to have a hospital on it. Are we going to get some Halloween 2 vibes? So you remember how I said that sequels are always better than the originals? Well, yes. I love Halloween, but my favorite Halloween is Halloween 2. Yeah. And Jason in the hospital would, I think, would, would be awesome. I think that that'd be a great setting for him. I love Halloween 2. I love the scene in part five where Tommy's in the bed and he sees Jason at the end of the bed. And, and it's just that that's one of my favorite scenes in the entire franchise, even though it's from one of its weakest movies. Um, and I think bringing that setting to the series is going to be something that, you know, we've never seen before, you know, outside of that and is going to be really exciting. So our opportunity to have, you know, this drama play out within the confines of a hospital, it now, you know, people who are wondering like, oh, you know, never hike alone. Where's the body count? Where's these things? And the body count is coming. I mean, there's going to be a series of deaths through each of these these films that are coming up. But when we get to that part two, uh, I mean, the part three, uh, Jason takes crystal Lake, that's what I consider our body count film. And that's where most of our budget's going to go towards that project. And we're going to have a lot of fun with it. It's going to be all about like kind of Jason being unhinged now 
and really on a kamikaze mission through Crystal Lake, killing everyone in his path. And, you know, the countdown, the ticking clock of can our characters figure out their issue at the hospital before Jason gets them and before possibly other people get them. And, you know, it, it's, it's really cool. I, I'm really looking for it. He goes, as we're doing these, these things, that's the big one that we're really looking at being like, that's when we're really going to like shoot some fireworks off. That's, that's the grand finale episode right there. Really. Awesome. So you are reuniting Rick and Tommy in a future entry of the series. Can you reveal any of the story with that? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, they're being reunited and never hike in the snow. Um, awesome. you know, they're, you know, they're both their characters will appear in, in this, in this short, um, they'll have sort of a, an interaction in a certain way. Um, but their, you know, their real rivalry will see kickoff in the never hike alone Two, never hike again. Um, and really it's, it's, you know, there's two people of two ideologies and you have to think about the events of part six and where these two characters left off, you know, Tommy's actions, you know, led to the death of Rick's best friend. Um, so you have that between them and then, you know, Rick ascends and becomes the sheriff and takes over the town and he runs it his way. And he's got a problem, you know, he's got a problem with Friday, you know, he's got a problem with Jason Voorhees and he's got a problem with this, this town's reputation. And, um, you know, and he takes certain acts to clean it up and keep people out. Um, and that's really what's been happening over the years. And his ideology is that if we can take Crystal Lake off the map and if we can erase all history of it and we can just pretend like this town is just another town like any other town and hide in plain sight and pretend like it doesn't exist, then maybe nobody will go up there and then we'll never have a problem. And, you know, for a long time, it's quiet and it's been quiet. And, you know, Rick's plan has worked, but Tommy, you know, this resident of his is not so sure and not so, you know, as confident as, as Rick is. And he's constantly up there, constantly poking around, constantly looking for Jason and Rick doesn't like it. He thinks he's poking the bear. And Tommy has this, this feeling that, you know, Jason's coming back. He doesn't know when he doesn't know how, but something's going to happen. And eventually Rick's master plan of you know keeping you know things quiet there's nothing you can do about it and it's better if they take the fight to jason rather than being unprepared and letting jason come to them and ultimately when i tell people about never hike alone it the 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 series is really about life before and after kyle mcleod and so everything we we kind of lead up to in never hike in the snow and never hike again and never hike again is where we meet kyle um but we see what life was like before Kyle kind of ruined Rick's big plan <laughs> and, 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 and Kyle's the catalyst. Rick is, you know, Kyle is Rick's worst nightmare. It's the guy who gets past all the, all the warning signs who looks past the fact that, Oh, the trail's not on the map. I'm not going to follow that, you know, or, Oh, there's just a wild preserve. Oh, I'm not going to go over there. Like really all of Rick's little things that he's kind of weaved over the years that we've seen that we saw set up and never hike alone one, you know, he went through and then he gets into, into camp and goes deeper than even Tommy went. And so Kyle is really this great character that as you meet Rick and Tommy, who've been dealing with this for over the years, Kyle brings in this fresh perspective of what he discovered. And that's ultimately going to be where the series kind of picks up. So, you know, with Rick and Tommy, um, the, the, the rivalry is always going to be there. And all I'll say about their storyline is that when bodies start hitting the floor and blood starts being spilled, 
Jason isn't the first person that Rick's, I mean, that Rick's really going to look at. You know, I think that Rick has this sneaking suspicion that Tommy's one day going to snap and start killing people. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of this storyline that weaves through the film of, you know, Rick actually thinking that Tommy might be the one killing people and Tommy kind of being on his heels trying to figure out when Jason is going to, you know, arrive in town and trying to avoid Rick. And so it's a really good like cat and mouse and like him trying to figure it out. We, you know, we want to keep the tension up and really keep the the, the pace of the film going. So we think that's going to be a good, uh, good kind of storyline to service the plot. Will the red dot site return? <laughs> oh, yeah. Me and Vinny have <laughs> talked about it multiple times. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. We keep, yeah, you know, Vinny Guastafari, he's he's amazing. Um, you know, he's actually he he knows guns pretty well. He's been talking about it. You know, I, I wrote a specific gun into the script. I was thinking of like cool names, I think. I was more thinking of like, I don't know anything about guns, so I just wrote a cool gun name in. And he was reading the script. He's like, you know, Vin, you know, I, I technically wouldn't have this gun, I'd have this gun. I'd be like, whatever you want, Vin. You can and I was like, but you just gotta put a scope on it. He's like, Yeah, they're making them smaller now. <laughs> so yeah, we're definitely giving him a scope and in fact, all of his deputies are getting scopes too, yes. which is going to be pretty funny. Yes. So, you know, it's going to be Rick. He's also going to have his deputies, which are going to be really great. Um, and all the deputies have scopes. Too. It's really fun. I mean, Dick is, I mean, Rick has really created like the Rick Academy of, of cops. <laughs> so you can imagine, we're going to have fun with the, with these people. As we start to meet more of the characters in, in this series, I think people are really going to love them. We're really going to like, I want Rick and his, his team that really have that like cop show vibe mm -hmm. and like really get each other and have that type of like really good chemistry so it's something that you know we're we're looking forward to bringing to life in, in the future installments so you kind of answered my next question already with mm -hmm. uh, the rick and tommy stuff so we'll just move on as more ghost jason stories are told a body count will tally up what are you doing with the special effects for future entries so we were, I mean, we're bringing on a lot of talented people. We added Nora Hewitt to our roster. Um, many of you may remember her from winning, uh, I think, Series 9 of Face Off. Um, she's a very talented artist. I met her on 13th Fanboy. We're also working with Justin Mabry of Trick or Treat Studios, who's an amazing sculptor. So he's going to be sculpting um, an updated version of Ghost Jason. So Ghost Jason will remain primarily the same, but we're just going to keep upgrading the effects. So basically everything you've seen before, from an effects standpoint where we purchased off the shelf off the shelf pieces and you know really kind of made it work from scraps now we're going to take an approach from building it as if we you know we had the proper money to to build our own custom stuff uh ghost hawk is primarily going to stay the same we, we need to make more copies of it you know the, the original one has lasted all this time probably three and a half years now i've been able to use the original mask oh wow um but uh, it's time to give it a rest and, and let it, you know, sit on a mantle somewhere and, and get its due. Maybe we'll bring it back for certain scenes for close ups and things like that. But um, there's stuff like that. And then in, in as far as kills go, um, you know, that's why I brought Nora on. I mean, she's, you know, she's really, really good at this stuff. And we've been talking about the kill for Never Hike in the Snow. We're really excited about it. Um, we've actually also added Bill Hunt, who is a longtime special effects artist. Yes. who's doing a lot of our, our concept work. Bill is amazing. Yes. Um, and so he just started sending me drawings. <laughs> he was like, I'm a big right. fan. Um, I love it. Like, let's just do this. And so Bill and I go back and forth and, and I pitch him stuff and I, you know, I gave him early looks at disappear and things like that. And, you know, he's been, you know, he gave me some early looks at the, some of the stuff that he's been doing for, um, you know, releasing Jason stuff. Jason goes to hell artwork that he's done. 
Um, and yeah, so he's really helping me craft what I, what we like to call are like story moments. So I've described mm-hmm. him moments within Never Hike in the Snow that are going to be very important cinematically. These are our keyframes to the film. These are the things that, you know, you're going to see in your, your trailers or, you know, it's just those shots that you remember. Like when you remember a scene, but you remember that one shot, these are supposed to be those moments. Um, and he's painting those out for me right now. Um, and we're going to use those as our team when I'm guiding them through the visual art of what, our, you know, I think that that's one of the cool things about Never Hiking the Snow too is we'll get to that in a minute is the camera work, but the, but the effects, you know, part of it is the camera work and the effects. So when you're, when you're pulling off a good kill, it's, it's not only does, should it look real, but the way that the, the camera is going to lead you to what you see is also very important. So that's the other part that we're designing that that's, that's really key is like, there's a very specific number of camera angles and moves that, that sell the gag, as we say. Um, but when we do, especially in the never hike in the snow, we have like, I wanted to like really show how big you could make a kill. I mean, we're in the snow. I mean, people want to see blood, right? They want to see it everywhere. So we're designing a kill that does just that. And I think that's what people should be really excited for is that like, we're putting our money into something that people have never seen before. I've never seen it in a Friday the 13th film. Um, and I've never seen I've seen these effects done before that, you know, obviously we've done our research, but I don't, I've never seen Jason do this specifically. And I think anytime he's even come close to it in previous films, it's been censored. You only see a piece of it. Yeah. And so this one, we're all about opening up wide now because it's going to be a day it's going to be in the daylight it's going to be a dust dust time kill where we're going to be in the snow we're going to see what's going on we're going to see all that blood but we're i mean we're going to live with it you know what i mean we're going to yeah. live with this kill for oh, yeah. a little bit we're not going to kill and then go to the next scene we're going to sit there and we're going to watch this character <laughs> die and it is going to be brutal and if people want to see a brutal like you know i i obviously listen like jason went toe-to-toe with kyle mcleod and he came to a draw and people want to see, you know, wanted to see Jason be a badass. And so we're going to show people how, you know, how badass Jason can be. So now imagine Douglas Tate marching through the snow, you know, mashing this character <laughs> and and doing it, you know, with our with our cinematic style. I think that, that that's that's something worth investing in. And I think that that's something that's going to really like wet the palate of a of big time hardcore Friday the 13th fans. Okay, then that's a good segue into the next question. As a filmmaker, you're constantly trying to better yourself. What are ways that you're going to step up in future entries of the Ghost Jason series? Well, I think that we really figured out a lot on Never Hike Alone. And then I went on a journey, um, you know, getting on more um, live action film sets. You know, obviously previous to Never Hike Alone, I was working on mostly animation. So my set experience was not as far along as I, as, as I wish it was, um, never hike alone taught me a lot about that. And then I got on some really big sets and I learned a lot. So I think our first, um, our first kind of mode of operations is like getting our, you know, just our production in like a smooth running machine and just knowing how to take care of all the little things ahead of time and not be caught off guard by things, um, which allows us to just be on set without worry. So we've done things like added a line producer by the name of Jen Saul. Um, I've been adding production coordinator help. Um, and these are people that are just coming on and going to help us figure out the logistics. Uh, because when it comes down to it, you know, production is all about, being able to get the things that you got in your script out in front of the camera. Um, and 
we're going to make sure that that process for us is not only smoothed out so we can get everything that we need on time and not be kind of caught without things that we need. Um, but at the same time, paying fair, fair prices for it, having people who can negotiate for us and find things that aren't going to like steal all the money from our budget. I feel like one thing that we did kind of before was like find things and we, you know, we did our best to kind of bid things, but we didn't know you know, we wanted to get, we wanted to find people to help us out, like get really into the nitty gritty and find those things that you wouldn't realize are just within your reach if you have the right amount of money. Um, and so that's what we're doing is finding those professional production tools that are just, that are in our reach that we didn't realize were there and bringing all those things together. And what that will create ultimately is our ability to recreate, you know, a, a fairly close to, you know, Netflix style TV style, you know, production set. And that allows us to create that type of camera work and, you know, audio quality and lighting quality and effects quality and all of that coming together, running like a smooth machine. We're going to be able to do all of that efficiently and create, you know, really good content. And I think that that's what I'm, I'm like really excited for is that we're going to be able to use the tools that allow us to create, you know, if people thought Never Hike Alone looked good, I mean, they're gonna we're gonna blow them away with this. Excellent. So, how did you get involved with Trevor Vaughn for the Disappear music video? Trevor and I have been friends for a long time. I've known him since high school. We've had mutual friends in the music scene. We played we played in bands, but he's like, I mean, we say I we played in bands. I played in like one or two bands. He was in like fifty bands, and like <laughs> he's in like fifty bands right now. The guy is a multi talented artist, big guy in like the hardcore scene. You wouldn't think to hit for him to be a folk <laughs> singer, um, but yet I remember back in like 2012, he released one of his first albums as a folk singer, and I loved it. Um, and you know, we've been friends. So I was, I always hit him up and you know, never hike alone. Uh, I needed an end song and, and another soul just really resonated with me, um, as the perfect ending to, to that story. Um, you know, it, it has a lot of meaning and context to it for us. Um, and disappear was a song that he always had on his roster that I used to listen to a lot on my own that, um, I don't know, stuck with me. It, it, it's got a, it, it was catchy. It had a hook to it. It's got a really dark message. And I had always wanted to do a Friday the 13th music video. And this um, song kind of created these images in my head. You know, I thought about Jason sitting in the camp. I thought about the camp being lonely. I thought about that stuff. And then, you know, it kind of all kind of came out of that. And so, you know, Trevor, I, when I when I called him, I was just like, hey, Trev, can I use Disappear for a music video? <laughs> and he just said, yeah. <laughs> like he didn't, he didn't ask why or what or like any, he's like, do you need anything from me? And he was like, need to use the song he's like do it and this was like a year and a half ago oh and so like really i think like one of the things that people don't know is that like even though we were kind of marching around and touring never hike alone around and we were waiting last year we were actively trying to come up with projects that we could shoot and it just happened to be that like you know everybody had to work we had to work you got you know, life got busy, life, you know, big life changes and things like that. So, you know, time flew by and then we saw each other, you know, like years later, like, oh my God, last time I saw you was the premiere and like, what have you been up to? And like, you know, so it's like these ideas have been ruminating, but it's been fun to now kind of execute them. So disappear is really like an idea that's been brewing in my head for about a year and a half. Same thing with never hike, a, never hike in the snow. I tried to shoot it last, last winter. Um, like I tried to just do it with, um, like private money where I was trying to raise money privately and not tell anybody about it, not tell anybody about Vinny or Doug and just go out and shoot it and then just drop it on the world. 
Um, but you know, it, it producing is hard and then, you know, getting people to actually show up with the money, like doesn't always work out. So, you know, we sat back on the idea and said, okay, well, we'll find the right time to, to crowdfund for it. Um, we saw that we were going to be busy all year and then saw that October 13th was going to be, or September 13th was going to come up. And I thought, you know what? There's a lot coming out right now. There's a lot of fan films that need that need funding. I think Jason Rising was going back at it at the time. I know Voorhees was thinking about going for that. Um, some other ones were getting some tail end. We were like, you know what? Let's give everybody their space. We'll go for next winter. You know, Oct- you know, the fall seems like the right time. Um, and we didn't have a teaser, so the 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 you know the music video seemed like the perfect idea. Yeah. Um, so I went to Mad Monster Arizona. Did the weekend there, and then I went to go visit my friend Renee Rivas from Renee Rivas Productions, who mm-hmm. did the Spirit of Haddonfield. He's got the tent coming out, um, and we had talked about that camp that's out there in Flagstaff. We actually scouted that two years ago, and I took a picture of that bedroom two years ago, and I said, "One day I'm going to turn this into Jason's bedroom." So again, <laughs> these are like ideas that you hang on to, you put a pin into, and then you attack them when you can. Um, and so I went out there to visit Renee and. I had my costume on me and I talked to, and I was like, let's go out to the camp and take photos. Like, let's go do some like stuff. He had just got his, his camera. He got a red camera, a red Raven, um, which he's using now in Flagstaff. He's one of like two people in like that area that even has a red or that type of technology now. Um, and so we went out to the camp, shot some test frames, brought it home, watched them. And then I started to hear disappear in my head. And I walk, I went home, I wrote the rest of, of the music video, you know, worked it back and forth with Renee. He helped me come up with some of the scenes and craft what we could do. And then we literally built a team. Then I went to go film, then, then I went to go film 13th Fanboy. And while I was on 13th Fanboy, recruited a small team, you know, from there. And then when I got home and we shot like all within the span of like a month and we shot all that edit, cut it, you know, Ben Meredith came out and DP'd it and then cut it and colored it. Um, well, Renee cut it and then Ben did the final, uh, color on it. And then, yeah. And then we just put that all together for the launch and I was working on the, on the Indiegogo the whole time. And yeah, it was, it was a crazy little like push to get this all done. Excellent. With parody memes, cosplay fan groups and all being created based on never hike alone and ghost Jason, what are your thoughts on the ever growing legion of fans? I just think it's cool that more and more people are discovering it. Um, you know, when I go to conventions now, it's, it's always nice to meet people who've never heard of it, which is really refreshing because I think that was one of the coolest things about Never Hike Alone when it first came out is nobody knew what to expect. And so when we got the positive response, it was, it was really, you know, warm, you know, it was like heartwarming. It was like, wow, like, I can't believe that, you know, people really took to this. And it's always, you know, fun when you see people see Tom for the first time and, you know, they don't realize it and, and, you know, kind of all these things. There's like really nice things about when somebody first watches Never Hike Alone. It's a really cool experience, especially if they don't know what they're getting into. Um, so conventions have allowed me to meet more fans like that and just to see them joining and, you know, seeing the longtime fans there too is really fun. You know, we started a fan group on, on Facebook, which people can join. And, you know, I hop on there with Andrew and we answer questions and we jump in from time to time and pick on each other. And it's just fun. I mean, you know, we really built a, I think that the family atmosphere that we built on, on never hike alone has really spilled into our fandom too. And people just, you know, are, are there. They support us. Fans have done a lot of work for us. Um, you know, there were a ton of fans who helped us out with the Disappear music video who supplied us with props. You know, we just put a message out there saying, who wants to jump in and just create stuff and send us stuff? And it was just in the spirit of, you know, just wanting to be a part of it. The same thing that we did. You know, we, we've built a lot of stuff from, from hand, I, you know, so it was 
if anybody wanted to join us because a lot of people do wish that they could be out here shooting with us and, and doing what we're doing and we want to give people that opportunity and the, the opportunity to participate so you know it's it's just really cool a big circular you know we feed off the fans the fans feed off of us and um it's really pushed us to keep going i know that like we wouldn't have never hike alone if it wasn't for fans pushing it it wouldn't have been as long and as in depth if it as it was if fans weren't pushing it to be longer we wouldn't be doing a seek and prequels if people weren't pushing us and emailing us and messaging us to do more um it's one of the like you know seeing those comments and seeing that stuff build up it's like yeah if people want to see it i know this is the one thing i've always wanted to do is create friday the 13th content and if this is my opportunity if this is you know what life has you know kind of laid out for me not the not what i expected you know i always wanted to make something for warner brothers or you know paramount you know do it for the big boys but if this is how i'm gonna get to do it then <clears throat> you know the fans are gonna carry it and i think that that's that's special i think that that makes it you know so unique that the fans could carry something like this and it's up to us to deliver you know something that that, that holds up to their standard that help, holds up to our standard and, and we're ready to take that challenge can you talk about your current indiegogo campaign for never hike in the snow yeah it's going really really well um we got about eight days left and I think we're about $6,000 away from $50,000. So we've raised over, you know, $42,000, um, Yeah, I think we've raised over $43,000 up, up till now. And it's been a nice steady climb. Um, and yeah, I've just been been really, you know, proud of just like, you know, the fans jumping in and sharing the, the links and things like that. Because um, I think it's helped spread the word. You know, we're going to go into a big push. It's that final week. You know, the, the third week is usually a tough one, but we were able to climb from, from 75 to 85%. I think we're about 87% funded right now. Um, and, you know, it's the final week. We got one more secret surprise, uh, you know, perk coming up. And then obviously we have the final push. So all the people who wait for the last minute are going to jump in. So we're feeling pretty confident about hitting our goal. Um, we would push people to, you know, if you're listening to this and you haven't donated or you're thinking, well, I really don't want a shirt or anything like that. We would just say five to $10, you know, get yourself a credit or get yourself the download of both Never Hike in the Snow and Disappear and Never Hike Alone, three movies for $10. Uh, well, I mean, one movie, one music video, and <laughs> one episode. But, you know, if... Think about all the Friday the 13th fans out there. You know, there's hundreds of thousands, possibly millions. If all of them gave $5, $10, we'd have more than enough to fund a multiple series franchise by multiple things. I'd be able to create my own network. Um, but if just a few thousand did that, I mean, right now we're at 700 and a few and change backers. I think we could easily be at 2,000, 3,000 backers. And if a majority of those were five and $10, those go a long way. Oh, yeah. I mean, from a, from a standpoint, from our standpoint, we actually love five to ten dollars because those are physical rewards that we don't have to mail or ship. Your money's going directly into the film, and it's not going anywhere else. It's shipping. It's not going for for processing or production of of a shirt or a hat. It's going right into the film, and that really, really helps us. You know, we love selling this merchandise and doing it. It really helps spread the word. It's free advertising, but it's also a lot of work. We have to. You know, we have to put in the time to, you know, get everything printed, ship it out, package it. Things go askew. People put in wrong addresses. People move. You know, we, we take care of that stuff. And, but we really do appreciate the 5 and $10 who are easy just to send them their email and click on to the next door. Because, <laughs> you know, those go by really fast when we're, you know, when we're doing this on the weekend. So shifting gears to uh, Jason Goes to Hell, what are some of your first memories of Jason Goes to Hell? 
They were very traumatic. I remember that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Jason Goes to Hell was the first movie that like, no, I want to say it was the second movie in the series that came out that like I really saw a marketing push for. So I saw Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So I was old enough to remember Manhattan on TV and seeing Jason in New York and then seeing it, you know, when it got home. You know, when it came to VHS, because that's where I got to see it. Yeah. And then I remember Jason Goes to Hell. And I remember being floored by the marketing. Like, I was so infatuated. The silver mask, all the fire, the final Friday. I was just like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> and I remember I had to wait again all the way until it was VHS. We all got around the TV and we were all watching it. And when Jason blew up... <laughs> I think my heart broke in so many places <laughs> that it really took many years for it to heal. It took many years and a lot of conversations for it to really get over the, like watching Jason explode. I really like, for, I don't know how old I was. I think I was maybe nine or 10. Um, and I was just devastated. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that, that Jason was dead. And I remember like watching the movie and getting really excited every time I saw like, like a reflection of Jason. I was like, oh, Jason's back. And then he would go away and I'd be really upset by that. And I always, it kind of had that like Halloween three type impact on me. And I, I held a grudge for a long time with that, that film for, for over the years. Um, and it was just kind of like, it was my, you know, I was young. And I started watching the other films and it wasn't until I got older and I started to talk to people about it and you'd meet people who'd be like, oh, Jason Goes to Hell is my favorite one. And you'd be like, what? <laughs> of all of them? Like of all the films, you're picking that one? And then they sit down and they tell you about it. And I think anytime a fan preaches their love and their passion for a film, no matter which one it is, you kind of sit back and go, oh, from that perspective... Okay. And I think as you get older, you also look at the series with a wider net yeah, and understand, you know, the variety of it and understanding that this, this is here. And I think that one of the most compelling arguments I ever heard about Jason Goes to Hell is that even though a lot of fans consider it to be the worst one, it is the most talked about entry in the series mm -hmm. ever because it's the most divisive. And sometimes, and that's what I tell people, it's like one of the the keys to a to a, a Friday film is how divisive it, it can be for fans. That could actually be its lifeblood is the fact that it does something very drastic and different. And then it becomes a matter of debate. And that debate is what keeps the film alive and keeps people watching it. Absolutely. So you got to meet up with Adam Marcus not too long ago. What was that experience like? Yeah, Adam was one of those gracious Friday the 13th alumni folk who reached out and, you know, just kind of gave me a thumbs up on Never Hike Alone. They had heard about it or they had saw it and Adam had seen it and, you know, he just, you know, praised it and, you know, was like, you know, you're in L.A. Adam, we should meet up. We should talk. And so there was a lot of that. <laughs> and, you know, Adam's busy. I'm busy. We're always bouncing around. And we could never seem to make it work in LA. And then one day I realized that we were both going to be at Horror Hound in Indianapolis. And so I was like, perfect. He's got a table. I'm going to be walking around. We're in the film festival. This is going to be perfect. And so the opening night of the, I think it was like the film, it was like the filmmaker party. They had like a little get together where all the filmmakers could meet each other and talk about the films and figure out when we were showing our, our pieces. And Adam showed up to that with his wife, Deborah, and 
we sat and, you know, talked for a long time. We talked about film. We talked about what we had going on. He had questions about Never High Cologne. I had questions about Jason Goes to Hell and Texas Chainsaw and all these other things. And, we, you know, we were just going back and, you know, sharing stories like war stories from set. And it was really funny to hear Adam's perspective because obviously he has a lot more experience than I do. And he's been through a lot more things and he's worked with a lot <laughs> You know, so he's got really cool stories about really like really famous people that you just go, wow, like this is amazing. Like what a career, but also what a life. And <laughs> wow, I can't believe you lived through some of this stuff. This is really cool. And, you know, he really, you know, took to me and Andrew, you know, he met Andrew and I, we were both there. Um, yeah, we kind of hung out the entire time we were there. We watched Jason Goes to Hell with them. We watched, um, we watched uh, uh, Secret Santa with them yeah. um, in, in the IMAX theater there. It was us. You know, Kane was there for Jason Goes to Hell, which is really funny. And um, yeah, so it was just a, it was a really great way to meet somebody. We've just stayed in touch ever since and, you know, bump into each other every now and then. And I, I bump into people from his like acting class and who are in uh, who are actually in uh, Secret Santa and stuff like that around town. And it's 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 really nice. Adam Marcus recently said in a live stream that you will be working with Skeleton Crew Productions on the Hearts of Darkness documentary. How did that come to be and what will you be doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Adam had talked to me about this. I talked to Nick Hunt actually way before I ever talked to Adam. So that's ah. actually kind of where it started. So Nick contacted me, I want to say sometime even before Never Hike Alone came out. Um, and then I had met with his producer, Ali Rivera, yes. who was an early producer on this. And we had talked about it because they had, they, I think they, they had contacted me about um, crowdfunding and um, any tips or tricks. I know that they were working with somebody who was helping them with that as well. Um, and just overall like questions about like if they had, if they had, if they needed any help in, in LA, if I would be of service and so whatever they needed, I, I was there for it. This sounded like really interesting. And, you know, that's how Adam and I, I think first really started to catch up with each other. Um, and so I ended up talking to Adam and Nick and they both asked me if I would, you know, shoot it. And I was very, I was like, I love it. Yeah. Documentary filmmaking is one of my, one of my passions. Um, you know, I had a lot of fun making the Never Hike Alone behind the scenes. And actually it was when I was meeting with Adam that I said, Hey, look, I, I think I had an early cut of the, of the BTS and I pulled it up for him. I said, Hey, check it out. Like, you know, this is basically what I can give you. Um, and we can actually do it even better because we did this with no budget. Um, but this is my no budget documentary look and he was like well damn he's like we'll just shoot this for us because it's gonna be in la so yeah so we're gonna handle um you know womp stomp films is gonna come in and we're gonna use our team to to help shoot the interviews so all these interviews are gonna re look really nice and slick um and you know we'll probably be working with ben and you know some of my other guys to just you know round it out and make sure that you know all all these interviews for this documentary come out looking professional and it feels you know again like this is going to be another fan funded thing, but it's going to be a professional, you know, production quality. And the fans should be proud of that, that they can fund that. And they don't need to go through and wait for, um, you know, studios to, to decide that these ideas are right for them. The, the, the fans get to decide, they get to decide with their, with their wallet, they get to put five or $10 down or more to say, yeah, I want to see this. Like, I want to know more about Jason goes to hell. I want to, I want to know some more about what went on behind the scenes and how this young, you know, film student graduated, did some stuff and then was handed the, the, the biggest franchise in the history of <laughs> horror. Um, 
and the ride that he went on. I can't imagine, like, because that's one of the things that really intrigued me about it. And I think that that's one of the greatest things about Friday the 13th. When you really start to become a fan and go beyond the film and start to meet the, meet some of the alumni conventions, and then you get to know them as people. And, you, you know, that's kind of something that I've really had the, the privilege of to do with Never Hike Alone is meet some people behind the scenes, you know, sit at them with, at a dinner and talk about life. And all of these people who lived interesting, interesting lives, and Adam being one of them, living interesting and i think that this you know being a young person who went through hollywood in a different way and i worked i worked my way up the system and i you know i got i was you know running all over town like adam had that you know had enough talent to get right in there right away he was one of those prodigies that was you know had the ability to step into that had the right connections to step into that but not having any of the previous knowledge of the way you know politics works and all that stuff in the way that like a, a film can eat you alive. That's, that's an amazing story. And, you know, I think that, you know, he came up with what he wanted to do and he got pushed and pulled around. And it's an interesting story to see how the film came out the way it did. And then some of like the, just the interesting ways that he sees Friday the 13th. Again, it's, it's, it's a unique perspective on the series. And I think every director has their unique perspective. So I think for us, Friday the 13th nerds, that's something to, that's always, you know, cool to hear and discuss and debate. And I think obviously Adam has a very decisive view on it with the whole Necronomicon and Deadite kind of view of it, the way that he kind of sees it that way. I think that that's something that I think fans, since that's become a big talking point, to hear him talk about it at length, you know, to his face, not just a snippet from a, you know, a, you know, a, a, a news article that gets, you know, blasted on in some chat <laughs> forum, but having Adam being able to sit down and look into a camera and be like, this is how I see it and have somebody do story time. I mean, you want to talk to, I mean, the greatest thing about directors is that we're filled with stories and you see when we talk about them, where these stories come from. And I think that giving Adam that opportunity would allow people to see Jason goes to hell on a very different light. And I think when they watch it again through Adam's eyes or they see it through the eyes of some of the fans that they'll be able to appreciate it more And that, you know, usually when they'd skip over it, when they're walk going through their, their franchise watch, you know, they go, you know, maybe we just skip to Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave, you know, X and, and goes to the hell at the wayside and just skip to there that maybe this time they don't. And they go, you know what, this one's for Adam. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it another chance. And I think that that's that's ultimately what this documentary can do, but it also give you some insight in that, you know, that these are people and this is, you know, this is how films are made. I think it's a really great, you know, really great project. I'm happy to be a part of it and I can't wait to help tell this story. Preach, brother, preach. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand the the constant battle with fans and trying to get them to see things in a different perspective. Uh Adam definitely was onto something by doing like a shared horror universe with that film. And like he said, it was like what Marvel's doing now, but back in 93, but with horror movies and those franchises. So I tried. To yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, good. I try to emphasize that to people that like you, you see this film as just a Friday film, but it's it's just so much more than that. It's. Yeah. Well, I think I think one of the issues that, that Jason Goes to Hell was dealing with was that Friday the 13th didn't really have closure. Yeah. And this was, and it was such a dramatic turn to reach the closure that it kind of, it, I mean, that's why, that's one of the reasons why Never Hike Alone came to be was I felt that like, I don't know if that's the way I want it to end. But I think in retrospect, when you look at Friday the 13th and you wait and you look at the way that kind of like Jason goes to hell, Jason X, Freddy versus Jason, they all be kind of came 
their own films. It's like almost like Godzilla where, you know, oh, yeah. they were, they were all together and then they started doing them and they series, like each one was its own reboot yeah. type thing. <laughs> and it kind of felt like, it kind of felt like that was the start of that era. And the, the Paramount era really just kind of like wafted in the wind of like, he's in a drain sewer somewhere. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and I don't think that's the way people saw the mighty Jason Voorhees going yeah. out, curled up in a ball underneath the pole going, mommy, like, you know, that, I don't think that was the send off everybody was looking for. Um, and, and, you know, Adam came off, came up with a hell of a send off, but it also came with a lot of new information that I think was a lot to process. And also he blew up Jason on us. So <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> so it was kind of a hard, I mean, it, it, it conceptually there, but so what I think is, is that in the terms of like that concept in 93, when you only get one and then who knows what's going to, and you're saying you're ending it there too. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's tough. You know, that, that's a real, I mean, you have to come in that's a tough crowd. Um, and obviously the, the series didn't end, but I think that what Adam has opened up the door towards is something that we might see in the future. And I, I keep pitching it and praising it and hoping to one day be a part of it. But, you know, an ability to see Friday the 13th on a streaming series in which you can do eight original tales that aren't necessarily tied into one canon or the next, the things that can combine horror universes or mm -hmm. tell a unique story or a unique perspective or go into a certain place in time. And all it has to do is answer to that time and that time period, like most Friday the 13th do. Um, and I think that that's kind of, you know, a great future landing place for Friday the 13th. Once the rights get settled, if, you know, obviously we need a feature film, obviously they need to go out there and create something new. Um, whether it be a reboot or a soft sequel or something, um, beyond that, they need to take advantage of this streaming series. They need to see the success that, that, you know, fan films have had, you know, for better and worse as they keep coming out, you know, you're going to see that people are showing up and watching these and these are minimally funded, you know, projects that people are pouring their hearts into. Imagine if these projects were actually funded, properly funded, you know, hopefully in the way sort of like Never Hiking in the Snow and the rest of the series will be. Um, but having that extra layer there to actually create some of these really high concept material, I think that fans would eat that up. And we obviously know that like people love you know, the collectibles and all those things, it only opens up the door for the, for this, for the fans, give the opportunity for the fans to basically keep this franchise going because we're willing to pay for stuff. We want the things we want new stuff. So keep it coming, just make it new and give us new stuff to chew on because I'm sick of buying, you know, I'm sick of NECA releasing the same doll over and over and over again. Like I kind of want to see some new stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's time. I think, you know, Halloween's doing it. Child's play did it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre just got their director. Who knows when Nightmare and Elm Street's going to get their stuff now that their rights are settled. So who knows? So it's time. Like, let's do it. I think that Victor and Sean need to get together. They need to just deal this out now. They, it's obvious where the, where the case is going now. Sean doesn't have the paperwork to, to win over Victor. You know, he's going to hold out to the decision. I watched the Larry thing on Slash and Cast the other day. Um, and it looks like the next decision is going to be rendered in January or February. And it's probably going to be towards Victor. And they still have to hash out a deal. So it might come to them just like butting heads this whole time. So it's going to be, we got to hope for the best. I think the fans really need to start calling out and, you know, getting this thing, you know, pushing to get this thing done. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, Vince, thank you for coming on the Gormore podcast once again. And it was a pleasure having you. Yeah, man, it's good to be back. And uh, thanks for talking. Well, that is your host with the most, TJ Bowser, signing off.
Shadow in 